Lines of the Southland, Monday, February 6, 2023. We are live here at Wild Heaven Brewing at West End with a live studio audience of two. Mr. Andrew Chow. Wow. Tech and legend. his friend, his roommate, Cody Adams. Welcome, everyone, to our first live broadcast. How does it feel? <laughs> How does it feel, gentlemen? Mr. Purdy, thank you for hosting us today. I mean, it's clearly we're clearly slammed tonight, so oh we had yeah. plenty. Of, we had plenty of space. No, it's fun. I wanted to. We wanted to do this at some point. So, Jack, I've got a question for you. Yes. Does this make Wild Heaven the official brewery of Science of the Southland podcast? It does. I think I, I did text my dad. I'm like, hey, if you haven't had a podcast recorded here, you are now a sponsor, whether you like it or not, <laughs> for the flat fee of free. Full disclosure, <laughs> my dad runs the place, so that's why we're able to have our fun here. And Not an ad, but also an ad. Oh, it's totally an ad. This, oh. is, this is outright an ad. <laughs> and while we're making free ads, uh, the new Black Cherry, right? Emergency black cherry, black cherry emergency drinking it's, beer. It's pretty good. That's I mean, what I had tonight. I'm, me too. I'm kind of kind of a fruity beer kind of guy. So emergency drinking beer has been around, but not like over the top. You know. No, that was the thing. I was worried that the beer would be too fruity. We've made some fruity beers that were just and there's like milkshake IPAs that exist and like <sighs> cobbler beers I've had that just tasted like you just had a liquefied pie. This did <laughs> this did not taste like that. Um, but yeah, I've tasted something that like that from other breweries that I'll leave nameless but yeah no it, it uh <laughs> <laughs> it hits the brewery rivalry it's almost but. more hey, savage hey, that could have been from anywhere in the country anywhere could brew an ipa right yes but in theory uh, can you make a good one they're called anywhere pale ales i hear yeah i uh i am gonna gas uh gas up our guests here before we dive in both of them legend well not legends of the flats but uh both uh with <laughs> both, we'll give it to him. Both with plenty of uh, experience playing football and baseball. Sadly, we will talk about neither sport tonight, so uh, they'll just have to to have to deal with it. Just like we're at least talking about the know. diamond tonight, but a much smaller. It's a one. much smaller diamond. We'll get to that. We are doing a softball preview tonight. Let's start at the top. Homefield is oh. dropping a new Georgia Tech collection later this week. Yes. I think tomorrow. By the time that you hear this. Yeah. February 7th, yes. I'm wearing, they sent me two pieces early with a t-shirt that just has Buzz on the left chest and then the navy blue uh, long sleeve tee with a lot of logo involved. I'll just, there's just a lot of logo. It says yellow deck. No, it says Georgia <laughs> Tech. Is that what it says? It's it says, mostly yellow. It's it says mostly a logo. It words and it has Buzz on it in the correct old gold colors, which I enjoy. No. <laughs> um, but, you know, that was nice. They were nice enough to send to send us some merge ahead of time of the drop. I really like the joggers of the of the stuff that they dropped. You can't, um, the thing is you can't have a special name for those joggers, like, like Buzz the was sad doggers. Or the wreck. You Imagine could do wreck boggers joggers. for Buzz, but it, just great. with jackets, like, it's just... It's just joggers again. They yeah. could, yeah. There was a lot that could have happened. Uh, yeah, I think there was there was a lot of ways that it could have gone that it didn't go, but <laughs> nevertheless, it's still it's it's still merch that's viable. There's it, also a quarter zip in there because yes. this is a quarter zip state. The, the, yes. the final the final four uh, shirts probably the one that, that caught really cool. my really like caught that. my eye the most. But I'm a sucker for the retro stuff. And when we get to the uh, the podcast business in the middle, I am eager to talk about some of the things coming from this fine podcast actual sponsor. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah. Why don't we get to literal podcast business? Let's start at the Zelnak Center and McCamish Pavilion. Women's basketball beat number 15 NC State 68-62. to Tony Morgan picked up another ACC Rookie of the Week honor, her second in a row. 
She posted a 17 point, was that 17.6 rebound, 10 assists? Yes. Line. Crazy good you stuff. Need, you need to give me the, the actual stats. You know I'm not good at numbers. Uh, and Nerea Hermosa finally. <laughs> and Nerea Hermosa finally found her footing. Yep. Uh, 14 points, aren't, aren't seven you, rebounds. Are you the guy that runs the college football analytics? That's the joke. Website. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just, just making sure. Just <laughs> making sure it's all out there. I will say, uh, and I think all three of us noted this while the game was going. The NC State Wolfpack ran some of the most heinous <laughs> end game sets. There was not I much going their way at the end there. I have ever all. seen in my entire life. It, it was like they practiced to be bad. That's how good at being bad at that end game set they were. It was it was bad. Uh, they went empty on three or four possessions in the last minute, and yeah, they one, had a and shot they were all it. like, not just empty. They didn't get a shot up on three of those possessions. No, it was this bad. They were just turning the ball over pretty willy nilly. This at ain't the end your there. fraternity bigs NC State team. I wouldn't say granddad because it's only no. been like two or three years. But the uh, the the Cunane, uh Cunane and Perez. Perez, yes, yeah. that's the other. Not um, having her, yeah, not having. It was still a, a little bit of a bully ball game, despite the fact oh the yeah. two biggest bully ballers in Kubai and Kune not being there. Um, who did get drafted one after the other in the yep. in WNBA draft last year? But and it was interesting to see it kind of be similar, but not, but also nice that we like had a shot, unlike last year, where like it yeah. was pretty obvious early that that game was not going to go our and way. This is the second uh, Georgia Tech upset, uh, if you will, of NC State in, in recent memory. I think it is worth noting that we did uh, go and beat, uh, you know, probably a, a, a better NC State team on the road in Reynolds Coliseum when they were a top three team. Uh, I believe, yeah, Francesca Pond was on that team, so that would have been right before the pandemic. Before my in. time, okay. The but pandemic. Uh, oh, don't Ooh. put that evil on her. Oh, my goodness. But uh, <laughs> I won't, but that was mean in retrospect. Yeah, but <laughs> but no, so uh, NC State's a really good team. They've been a consistent program that whole time, but uh, really, really shows that Nell can get her team up and, and, and win the big one, and I think it's kind of the game that we've all been waiting for them to have this year. They've been steadily getting there yeah. closer and closer. All I mean, Nell, like even some of those losses where they were when they were in the losing streak, she was like, there's this, the positive signs were still there. They were still practicing really hard. Um away I mean off anywhere no one can see but like they never really stopped believing in the team unlike another tech basketball team that we might think has stopped believing in uh their ability i was having a good night <laughs> i'm sorry about that anyways back to women's basketball much better team um they but you know they, they were they were right there and they while they did lose to miami like they were still like right there a road they haven't won a road acc game yet but i, mean, I don't think that exactly has matters to me anymore also. miami played plays uh, a, a brand of basketball probably most similar to the previous tech regime tech regime um, yeah you know big physical low yeah low they were scoring. big we had a lot of we had a lot of trouble getting any points in the paint well, whatsoever and, and, and they killed us in rebounds without the the tallness of kubaya and you know it was rough i think yeah. francesca pon helped us out there too just having size even though she was more of a uh, of a shooter forward type than a center um but um yeah, I mean, it, the numbers speak for themselves with 51-25 on the glass. And, uh, you know, it, they were in it at the end. But, but yeah, still, they were, it was a two-point game with under a minute to go, despite then, being horribly out-rebounded. And then... And then, yeah, no, it, it, that happened. But, like, still, I mean, well, would you, I mean, at any point in this particular season, would you have taken down two with under a minute to go on the road? Oh, yeah. And, I mean, yeah, that's a good... That's thing. I mean, that's a, a pretty good Miami good team. Miami yeah. team yeah. Right? The ca I mean, one of the Cavenders is doing really well, uh, <laughs> despite... They both like, have beaten us up this year. Like, yeah, despite, like, the public's reservations about how good those players actually are, um, and besides their NIL deals, like, I mean, they've been very productive. Yeah. I mean, I, I will say that this, it, this team 
all it needs to do is finish above 500 and they'll be in the WNIT and you know that's that's fine enough for a, a reload rebuild year and I think better than I might have expected three or four weeks ago so just keep keep in the mix you know beat beat the teams you got to beat and the NC State wins a good win and it's something to build on T teams relatively young despite how much uh, experienced senior or transfer talent they've got in the door that brings up a good point and this is something I was talking with an ACC student manager about uh, offline is a bunch of these teams have had to completely retool how they play basketball to account yep. for major departures. Like, you can see it with Tech, yep. not having Kubai. Uh, you can see it with uh, NC State. They don't have Perez and Kunane. You, you talked about that earlier. Um, Haley Van Lith is basically a one-woman show at yep. Louisville, Louisville right now. Yep. Um, and so your more traditional men's basketball powers, like Duke and Carolina – who have more complete teams, it seems, rather than one. You're saying in women's woman basketball. In right women's now. shows. In, okay. uh, well, like, just trying to make a relationship there. But th those teams have started to come up and be at near the top of the conference just because they have more team rather than individual dependence. Yeah, and uh, I think it's uh, something that, you know, that – that student manager may want to call Jimmy Beheim to uh, consult with him about the no, changes seen in ACC basketball. Beheim is too busy complaining about yeah, NIL we're to Bayheim anyone who would now? listen. Like that's what we're, we're going to do that now. <laughs> My goodness. Oh, uh, you know, I just got some breaking news. Can I break some news? Holy crap! Uh, in a, again, treat this with a grain of salt. But apparently, the CRC Aquatics Center has a small fire going on. Oh my goodness. I'm glad I didn't swim there today. How does an aquatic center wow. get set on fire? That's interesting. My guess, they, there is a chemical room by the auxiliary like, like pool. The giant like, train crash that's currently still burning in Ohio I right know. now. Oh, they <laughs> had to do a controlled burn on that. Now we are way off the rails, yeah, just like goodness. that train. Well done. Huh. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Again, that's, that's per some active students, so take it with a grain of salt. But uh, I, I'm planning on swimming there to Wednesday, so it, it, hopefully it, the fire's it, gone by then. They do a practice in like two minutes, so I guess they would know. They really do. They yeah, would have. You know, we'll find out. Like that. All right, but anyways. Well, speaking of train fires, we're going to skip the men's basketball recap, and we're going <laughs> to head right to men's tennis. They won 6-1 over Georgia State. Jake, I know you have some thoughts on that, oh, but let's get the other result out of the way. Yes, they I lost 2-5 at Auburn. Uh, that one was a rough one. Um, they got. They dropped a couple of tough sets in the doubles play, if I remember correctly. Yep. But the state one, I think, is where we have more more active commenting to do. I, you know, the 6-1 score is deceptive and kind of in a bad way. Uh, as you all who listen to this probably know by now, uh, doubles is the first thing that happens, right? You, you got to win two out of three to get the point. And uh, Tech did get the doubles point, but um, it was a 7-6, 7-2 in tiebreak on court one, and that's Andres Martin and Marcus McDaniel, ostensibly one of the better doubles pairings uh, in the ACC, really going up to the wire and, and making things uh, a little close for comfort there. You had 6-1. Uh, that decision on court two was actually a 6-1 in favor of State, um, not super competitive there from Shokri and Chopra, and then McKinney and Bauer winning 7-5. That's very close for comfort. Uh, in the two wins, you don't really like that. And, uh, yes, Tech did win 6-1 uh, on the rest of the slate. But Chopra, Sakdev, and Shokri all got wins, but they were in three sets and, and very long three setters. Um, you know, Georgia State's 0-3, uh, not really something that you want to see in your own building uh, against a team that, quite frankly, is not as talented as this one. 
Jake loves to say that playing at Kim Byers is Georgia State's Super Bowl. No, I didn't make that up. That's former podcast uh, co-host Ethan Kreger's line. Well, they po- they both like to say it. I'm going to still hang this one on his head, but it's it, it does get rowdy for that one. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's all parents that most of them know each other. They're all from in most of them are from in state, so it does the <laughs> the the atmosphere does get it does get a little intense in the indoor courts. Um, it, it's interesting to see where both of these programs are at, right? It, yeah, and this keeps happening regardless of if. If tech is on an upswing, yep. Or uh, or tech is say you know, r- regardless of where tech is at, state is always a little Thorn hurdle in their side. They, yeah, it's always a hurdle that they what they threaten to trip on. Um, and, but the, the thing is, it's not like you know baseball or men's basketball where they're you know legitimate tournament team, top of the conference type. Quali- they play in a Costco. Right? I mean. They don't play in a Costco anymore. Well, I guess you literally called it a Costco with Windows. That, that is true. I did call the new the new place is better than the old place. But you're really it. undermining me here in the fact that men's basketball and baseball for state are not bad. Their football team competitive in a very good division in the Sun Belt. We're not taking out that game for granted next year. No, nope, we're not. <laughs> scary game coming up. Yeah, <laughs> very Too scary. But um, but no, I mean it's stuff like tennis and. And softball, women's basketball, it's really never been close, and it honestly shouldn't be. Like, it's, it, yeah, it, it shouldn't be. And 6 1's a little bit, I would say, deceptive. I'm not trying to harp on it, and I know I'm, I'm kind of harsh on, on men's tennis a little bit this year, and I, I don't know. I, I don't want to be, but that's kind of, it's kind of is what it is, right? They, they, they had a really good weekend for going 0 and 2 out in Palo Alto, and it's tough to, tough to see them kind of, you know, play play with the food a little bit against. We saw it against Presbyterian, and we kind of see it against State here too. Anything on the Auburn series? On the Auburn, I mean, honestly, that was something that was kind of deceptively far the other way. They, I mean, they almost pulled off the doubles win, um, which would have made it four three. And if you're in the mix, you're in the mix, right? So, um, yeah, I I think both of these games are are deceptive results. Auburn quality, um, honestly, between. Auburn, uh, Pepperdine, and Stanford, you'd think they'd pick up one of the three just based on luck, and I think they got a little unlucky, but they're at, I, th- I believe, six and three, seven and three on the year, and that, that's not a bad place to be, rack up some wins, going to the ACC play strong here, but they do have a tough weekend coming up with uh, South Carolina, UGA, and the Citadel, so between that, y- you kind of expect a, a two and one or a one and two, but it, it's going to be tough to beat those SEC squads. Let's figure, let's flip over to the women's side of Ken Byers. Well, technically they were in Illinois this weekend. They yes. picked up two wins over Chicago's Big Ten teams. 6-1 over Illinois and Sh- 5-2 over Northwestern. You mean Champaign's Big Ten team? Chicago's uh, Big Ten teams. I think there's probably more Wisconsin fans in Chicago than Illinois. Chicago's Big Ten teams. Anyways, um, <laughs> yeah, Illinois and Northwestern, both historically strong programs. I'd say these are a little bit deceptive in their results as well um you know illinois is a, a, a pretty good team historically um northwestern is a pretty good team historically um a lot of the sets were relatively close um but they took care of business on the road that's exactly what you want to see and i think they're uh you know they're probably a little bit disappointed not to be in the mix for the ita indoors but you know you, you win you win you get some experience and this is a team that i think has quite a bit of potential i mean they've they've got more than six 
starting singles players, but in a good way. Um, not in the not in the men's basketball way. I mean, for for their for their singles courts uh, are ranked, which means it's tough. And that's Lee, um, Lee, Jane, John, Jane, um, Jane, Jane, Sherabura. I think is ranked. Lee Sherabura, Jane, and Cruz. I think are the Cruz. Four. Yeah, I know Cruz is ranked. Yeah. Um, but between between the rest of it, you've got. Um, Built or maybe it's Bilchev that's ranked in Sherbu that's not, but either way, some combination of the seven, yeah, but is ranked. Either either way, four of them are either ranked. way, you've got Garcia Gross, um, Roster, the other of Sherbu and Bilchev that's not ranked, and uh, you know, Marsh, and you know, that's that's four players for two spots, right? They roll like 10 deep here, yeah. And and I think, well, where they'll struggle is in that you know, they've got Lee at the top, who's great, top 10 singles player. Um, Lee and Sherbu as a doubles pairing is really excellent too, but. It's just that depth is very good. I just worry about that in a you know Sweet 16, Elite 8, ACC title. Um, you know th- those kind of when you're up against a top five, top ten team. You know that's that's where things are going to get. That's where things are going to get dicey. But take care of business in the ACC, and you're not going to be running into those hu- t- tougher t- tougher outs until the Elite Eight or the ACC championship. Just beat North Carolina, yeah. LOL. I don't know if we've done that since I – I could probably check <laughs> pretty quickly <laughs> if we've done that since I've been here. But it's – I mean, North Carolina is a, a pretty excellent program. Oh, my God, he's actually checking. I, I am going to check. So if you if you vamp for a second, I'll, I'll pull it up. I, I just think they're in for an interesting year because of that depth, though. Yeah. I, I, to offer oh, a sure. slight counterpoint, because they are right now, you could say that they are competing with some of those top teams in the ACC based on depth alone. Like when you say they have, they have more than six starters. Yeah. Right. You're talking about more than six ACC quality tennis players. Yeah. And that is going to make a difference when you have to play with the lineups and futz with their matchups yep. against the UNC, against the yep. Duke, against yep. the Wake Forest. Well, and, and you saw something really weird. I think it was against, um, shoot, I can't remember which of the team, maybe San Diego, where San Diego messed with their lineup in a pretty untraditional way for tennis, where they kind of bumped their, I think, their second court down to six. Um, yeah, they stacked it. They did the reverse stack, right? So you're basically trying to guarantee yourself a win on six, mm-hmm. and it took that in order for for them to get knocked off. So I mean that's, I mean that's something you can't really prepare. I don't want to say prepare for because that's the wrong way to put it. But anyways, to answer my own question, uh, Tech women's tennis since 2016 has played North Carolina nine times. They are two and seven. The last win came in. 2018 Tech's final four year. North Carolina's been very consistent uh, throughout this span, but it, that was a 4-3 win uh, on the road, no less. It was um, dicey, if I remember correctly. Yeah, 4-3 win on the road uh, in March, and then the year before that they won 4-3 also on the road. Um, but uh, since then, they've seen them a couple of times, including three matchups in the ACC championship uh, or ACC tournament. 21 was the championship. Very nice. We will be back to preview softball, which gets its season started at the end of this week, right after this short break. That we will, and we have plenty to talk about this week when it pertains to our favorite merchandise option, the Section 103. (laughs) The Section 103 company, you can't see, but 
podcasting's a visual medium. Akshay just gave me a very funny face. But <laughs> anyways, uh, new stuff from Section 103, uh, North Avenue Trade School shirt with the Georgia Tech seal on it. Uh, I am a big fan of the seal, uh, and I love the North Avenue Trade School name. Uh, it's great to see that out there. It's on navy with a gold print. Uh, I think it looks pretty darn good as always free shipping on orders over 70 bucks every day um also remember to check out baseball and softball shirts uh including that three-quarter sleeve which is a great spring shirt for atlanta one last thing is to vote in the poll i personally am a big fan of option a junior's grill but i sign on that i uh i think it may be a little bit uh a you don't bit even unethical. know what Junior's Grill is. Well, you know what, you it, know is. what it is. We, we all know what it is. No, no one, none of us are old enough to. That's not exactly. our fault. So here's my vote. It's a the big shame. B, the B design. If enough of us institute. wear it, then they might bring it back, though. The Institute would be great. The, the Institute is design in the style of the Animal House college sweater. That is good. That it's, is good. It's a classic. It is, is classic, good. and it, it's very fun. I, can, I think it's funny, and it's good. Can well Stephen give us two shirts? Can, can, we, can, we do, can we just do A and B and just call it a day here? Do them like, all. Come on. Come I, on. Think it, I think they, they're both pretty close to insta-buys. Uh, they really but, are. Uh, but the Junior's Grill, I'm going to take the liberty to take a bit of a left turn because, you know, I, I feel like it. Um, Georgia Tech controls its dining. And they clearly have a good relationship with the Clemenses, given that they have Clemens Kitchen. Exactly. And yep. they are featured in the alumni stuff all the they time. They had a recent thing about they like the French toast or something oh yeah, like that. They put the yeah. French toast Just recipe in the alumni. Yeah. up a tech restaurant called Junior's Grill. It's not that hard. It, it needs to happen. I, I put a whole diatribe on Twitter about it. That needs oh. That that uh, it gains so much traction, but oh, like yeah, it yeah. needs to happen. I've so done many this views. many a time. <laughs> so many, so many tens of views. I don't, I don't know if I wrote a blog post about it before, but we've definitely talked about it on the podcast. This will be good off-season content for the blog. <laughs> <laughs> the the we won't stop podcasting until we can buy French toast. <laughs> we can just go to Silver Skillet for that. That's We're still true. inside the ad read, aren't we? Yes. Yeah. Can we leave the ad read? <laughs> no offense. I just I. You know. Section 103. Go buy it. Anyways. At Section 103 on Twitter, Section103.com. Let's head over to the softball diamond at Shirley Newborn Clements Field. Mr. Grant, did we call last year a contract year by chance? We called it the prove it year, yeah. Oh, yeah. 110%. No, I think we literally called it a contract year. <laughs> well, I mean, it, w- it was. Did it's they prove it? It's the prove it. Like It was the prove it year. And they, and they proved it. Sure yes. they did. They went so- Georgia Tech softball 38-18. and 18. On the season in 2022, 11-13 in the ACC. They lost in the ACC tournament quarterfinals to Duke in a 9-6 affair and headed to the Gainesville Regional for the first time in 10? Tennis years, yeah. I think it was Tennis years. First tournament uh, appearance in tennis years. 2012 was the previous, I think. Yeah. Like two, like three regimes ago? Three softball <laughs> regimes ago? There, there were some pretty dark years, 13, 14, 15 but but the, it was a return to form 1456 a- anyways it was a return to form because those early 10s extremely early 10s gt softball teams were absurd that, that absurd two, absurd yeah. the one that took on washington in the acc or ncaa tournament was that was you know program defining game defining and and it's kind of interesting we 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 often wind up i think kind of oddly lumping volleyball and softball together in terms of vibes both hadn't been in the tournament for a while mm-hmm. um you know just kind of the and women's basketball and women's basketball yeah. too but like similar places similar build trajectories and i think the one that we had noted was like you know 
women's basketball got there, volleyball got there, and then two years later, we were still like, all right, year or two later, we were still like, all right, like, softball. Do the thing. Do the thing. Please. Like, <laughs> because 2020, I think, was the first time we reasonably were like, maybe. And yeah. then, yeah. But um, And I think 21, we saw them start out pretty hot and yep. were like, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, well, they went undefeated in Buzz Classic that year, right? Or something like that? Undefeated or? in Buzz Classic, and then they ran into the chainsaw that, that was, was Central State. Arkansas. Oh, no, God. Florida State and Clemson backed, like, same weekend. It was, like, oh, six right. games oh. at once. And yeah, 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 because they, they played they, the pods. They, they played, in, like, regional pods. Yeah, they were, like, ranked uh, 20. Okay, yeah, yeah. That was, and that, there was a ton of ACC games that year, and that was the first year the ACC kind of – the ACC's picked it up in volleyball and softball both at the same time. They really Another have, Another yes. weird parallel. Yes. But um, – Narrative. Anyways, the the I can't remember which poll had them at number twenty five. Like they were they were yeah ranked. they got uh, they they, got w- they won yeah. they went undefeated in the bus classic. They were at twenty five immediately after that weekend, and then they got absolutely wrecked Shellacked. by. <laughs> well, they kept they kept one game they in each of those series close. They kept one game the first game versus two, Florida yeah. State, two games versus Florida State were yeah. close because one of them went to extras if I remember correctly. Yep, um, and then they got. Absolutely wrecked by Clemson in three straight games. Well, and, and, the, and last and the, year they had the Valchise. Like, yeah. The, the Valchise. Oh, my goodness. She's still there. It, it's going to be like 2032 and she's still going to be playing. But, anyways. To um, get to the point, NCAA tournament, Gainesville Regional, first appearance in 10 years. They beat Wisconsin 2 1 in the opening game. They advanced to a game versus Florida, the regional host. They lost 7 1 after a rain delay. So they went to a, a an elimination game versus Wisconsin again. Yep. In which they lost on a walk-off, seven six. They just kind of ran out of gas. Yep, pretty late much. in this one, and yep. had a an all timer of a pitching meltdown, if I remember. It wasn't good. Yeah, that was, was that Dennis that was pitching that at the end. No, or was they it, um, they go someone else by the end of that game. No, they melted down. Like it's so the problem with this weekend is that they ran. Nelliman out there for three straight days. Oh, that's and right. Yeah, yep, yeah, her arm could not. I think her arm was just wasted. There's no way. There's not no wasted way. Wasted is not the right word. It was just exhausted. It was, it was dead. Yeah, it was dead it, arm. It was yeah. exhausted by the end of it, and they just could not pay. Like, yeah, that makes sense. Against like Wisconsin, yeah, you needed yeah. an element to put him down. Yeah, I, I don't remember. I don't have the pitching exact pitching rotation in front of me, but th- that's what I remember because I remember when we recapped the tournament, we were like, it would be awesome. If we didn't have to throw our ace, like if we had a third pitcher, so yep. we didn't yep. have to throw yep. our ace for the third game of the weekend again. And, and in 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 defense of some of the pitchers who are already on the staff, like Voyles was a freshman, like that was. I mean, threw Voyles out there for a while. Yeah, and she didn't get a, a ton ton of uh, a playing time. No, I mean, seven so. at most to allow in a regional, still not bad. Yeah, just in any sense, we just they, uh, the bats didn't come alive enough there. I I do want to point just how much of a return to form this is. Gents, you do know that Georgia Tech is the second most successful ACC softball program in all of history, right? Yes. Now I know. Yeah. Uh, fi- five, five titles to FSU's much more 18, but wow. Duke's, Duke's a relatively young team, as is Clemson, so it's a little, mm. bit, okay. little bit skewed Relatively there, young is selling is selling that much. Like 50 years little, young, 30 no, years young? No, they're like Clem- three. Three? Uh, what? Valerie like Cagle has been on every Clemson team that has ever existed. There's only, there's three only three four of those. Clemson teams that have existed? Yeah, the first year that they were played was 2020, so they played 12 games. Wow. And then the season ended. Cause is I that what they do instead of swimming nowadays? Yeah, they cut uh, uh, swim and dive okay. for – 
women's golf, and then later added They're softball, adding la- lacrosse women's too. Lacrosse, yeah, lacrosse and is gymnastics. Coming, yeah. And they still tried to cut men's track, but uh, further from the point we get. That's but that's a summer episode too, but that's an old trope on the podcast at this point. So let's talk about the roster to get everyone back on course. Um, Mr. Grant, who would we lose? Uh, well, Trisha Awald is the number one at the top of the list there. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, at first base. Yeah. She uh, she spent four years on the flats after transferring from Kennesaw. She was the Atlantic Sun uh, freshman of the year that year, and then she came down to Tech and, and really – started basically every game after that like she it, locked it down at first base yeah. and really and good defensively and just mashed dingers yeah her her and cough were a, a great one-two punch in the in the lineup last year and and you know the, the whole time they've the two of them have played together but i, I would say her and uh, bailey zeitler who played second were probably uh the the two most notable there zeitler was a you know starter for a couple of years there and and played a heck of a lot of the 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 at bats over the last couple of years, Zeitler and Awald definitely got uh, more than more than the fair share, and uh, not not in a bad way. Um, we needed them to hit; like oh they, yeah. had, they had, they they were the power, and like they had to happen. So I think you would call Zeitler was a great fielder too. Yeah, so you would call Awald your your power hitter, and you would call Zeitler your professional hitter, right? Gets yeah, gets like on that. base, the yeah. the money ball gif of mm-hmm. where Brad Pitt points at Jonah Hill. He gets she gets on base. Well, and 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 that was the thing about Awald is it seemed like she had the clutch gene too. I know that that's not very statistical, but like clutch doesn't exist. It it doesn't, but you know she she delivered in some very big moments, and that that was you know you always knew that she had didn't have to be a home run, but you know big double seeing the ball putting it in play like that's that's the thing I think that gets a little bit underrated in the current discourse of baseball and softball is just half the battle is putting the ball in play and not striking yep. out too much and yeah See someone ball really someone really likes that the shift doesn't exist i do oh i really like that are we on hey it's not are a we on opposite? i'm not i'm not against it but i, I will i will miss it I just hit better it. a lull you're kind of you're we're, and not to step on what we're gonna what i talked about with eileen morales later on but yes yeah, pitching was like the main thing Yep. That in at least right now, just in general softball at all, I mean, you can be Oklahoma and have also just monster power. But if yep. you can pitch, that solves most of your. I mean, that's how FSU. Right no, yeah, but that's what we saw for us. Yes. I, not to cut you off on the FSU thing, but like I think it's an even more strong parallel to Georgia Tech, right? We we said when we saw Dennis getting added to the roster that that was going to be a key to this team having success because Nelliman's a great pitcher, but you cannot throw her until like it yes, you can't softball, throw her until the cows baseball, come home because that's what happened in Gainesville and you saw how that it worked well, out and and that's that's what happened against like Washington in the buzz classic like two two three years ago this was that's pre-covid wasn't it yeah it was yeah yeah but like you, you you gotta have another option and I think we finally saw that with with Dennis who you know uh, I I don't think either of them are like an Oklahoma level ace and I don't think it's unfair to say or that FSU. at all but but you know, it's it's two very credible, very serviceable options. Nellman's a great ace. Dennis is not far behind her, and you know it's gonna it's gonna be a matter of some of the new additions stepping up. I'd say um, to see if this team can go deeper than what they did last year. But you know, you, you lose Awald, you lose Zeitler, but you know the I think the expectation stays the same, right? Right. Boys? I have I have no complaints about saying they need they may their expectation is to make a regional, but we'll get there. Yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll get there. Just to round out the subtractions here, uh, we mentioned Awald, we mentioned Zeitler. That's the entire right side of your infield. 
uh, gone, not to the draft, but just gone to graduation. Uh, Cowden and out. <laughs> the Athletes Unlimited draft. Yes. Um, yeah, Kennedy Cowden in an outfield, a transfer from Kentucky. Uh, Lexi Ray, a reliever. Uh, Palmer Pinholster, another reliever. And then Ariel Jackson, another uh, utility outfielder. Um, those are all of your subtractions, which uh, in terms of impact, I would say Cowden definitely got a bunch of starts uh, in the yep. lineup and in outfield last year. Uh, Jackson was rotational, and Ray and Pinholster were sort of pull the ripcord emergency yep. relievers. Pretty much. Um, in terms of high impact starters, the ones you like, we said the ones we spent the most time on. You're talking about Awald and Zeitler, so um, it's going to be a very, very interesting off season in There's terms of how there for people. There's a lot of at bats and just critical fielding too. Because I mean, yep. Saleo's got the left side and it handled down, but that's your entire right Saleo side. Saleo and Black are very the right side. I know. Yeah, she can get all of it if she wanted to, but like Saleo and Black are very good at fielding on that left side of the infield. But you, you are going to have to figure out both how to put together runs and also how to put together defense. And, and I, I think one of the reasons we saw some success last year, kind of leaving it in this ballpark before we talk about some new additions. Um, in terms of just consistency on that left side, Black and Saleo, and, and I, I, uh, I think I probably should say this with some very firm vigor. Mallory Black played really well. Like yes, yes. You know, she had a great. She had a year. very tough freshman year. Yes. To set the stage yes. there, which is why I want to be firm in like my praise here. Yes. Yeah. And because at multiple points, both you and I looked at each other and were like. Why? She's hitting under 200. <laughs> she wasn't What's just hitting on? under 200. She was hitting like 120 for a vast stretch of that year. And we were both like, why? Please play someone else. This is existential dogma playing out on a softball field. Please try something else. Yes. And and just before we get into uh, the super weeds on returners, we've talked about some of them so far. Uh, additions that we see. Um, Transfer, Caden Baker, I believe, via Texas A&M. Uh, freshman, Jaden Gailey, uh, Ryan, Ryan? Rhiannon. Rhiannon. Keith? You just say Ryan in there, uh, I think. Paige Bukadinovich, Jaden Studebaker, and Reese Hunter. Uh, I do know Paige is from Munster, Indiana, so uh, my neck of the woods, I am familiar with the name. I'm pretty sure that's a pretty good get. Um, Jack, I know you talked to Coach, so unless – do you have any – do you have any tidbits, or are we going to save it for the interview? Paige was Paige and Reese were the were the highlights that she definitely mentioned. Um, yep. Reese has been getting some offseason work with with the coaching staff. I know. Um, yeah, that's. But I mean, to be I'll, I I don't the the context clues will be there. I recorded that interview about a month ago at this point, so the details are a little foggy on my head. But no, yeah, that, I at least definitely remember that Paige and Reese are going to be yeah, people I, she. Or she, she's looking forward to seeing what they're going to be. She's looking forward to how the entire team's going to be, but she knows they're going to be impact. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that Vukadinovich w- played for, and I'm absolutely certain of this, that she played for Iowa Premier uh, on their national team yeah. as a uh, as a club softball player, as you know, coming up, and that's that's a very good program to be recruiting from. You know, there's 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 a couple names out there. I mean, we don't have to list them all, but that's definitely a, a program with some pedigree. So yeah. good to, good to see them making those Midwestern connections. Uh, I will say that Jaden Stubaker is also a pitcher. Notable. Hey, all right. But, yes, yeah. let's let's go to the returning lineup. Your pitching staff, I think, uh, barring some sort of freshman breakout, is probably going to be Blake Nellman, Chandler Dennis, and Sophia Voiles. Yep. Sophia Voiles was very good in uh, limited stints last year. Um, and also emergency relief. Uh, so interested to see how that plays out, especially as we've discussed here. You need a pull the ripcord or at least 
you know, third rotational starter. I would have no surprise if Sovia at least pitches a decent amount of Buzz Classic just to see if how feasible it is. Like, figure it out or fail fail, fail early on this one if you're going to fail. Yeah, fail fast and mm-hmm. just figure it out. Maybe you, you start Nelliman and Dennis initially, but, like, all right, now we're in the second game on Sunday or Saturday, whatever. Like, all right, throw her out there, see how long she can go and save everybody else. Yeah. I'm glad your business degree has made you an effective startup founder right. and that you know how to fail fast. Rub- yes. Rub- Rubber match games, or if there's already 2-0 to Tech, like, you got to give Boyle some innings just to get her yep. some experience yep. there. And I mean, because you can't, you again, the main point of this season is going to be do not get into a fight in the in the Gainesville Regional where you need Blake Nelliman to start an entire game yep. and yep. her arm doesn't work. <laughs> and then start another game immediately after that one. Yikes. Um, let's go over to catcher Emma Kauf, number eight catcher Duh. in the nation. I don't know how they rank that still. I never figured that out. Probably backed up by Sandra Beth Pritchett, and also she would be backed up by Reese Hunter. I was going to say, yes. Caroline Davis, I know, is DP. Did she catch it all? I don't know why that's in I my head. I think she played some first base, which is okay, the next place might. we're talking okay. about. Um, Caroline Davis might be at that first base spot. We don't actually know. We, they've, they've, I think all of their practices have been closed door. Um, they post a highlight video, but... They also did those scrimmages in an, an undisclosed location in Alabama, more or less. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't really know. We also don't know who's playing I second base. I forgot to ask about that. We're not going to find out on this She episode. also would not have told you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. She definitely would not have told you. That stuff is nuclear secrets at that point. What? Yeah. yeah. The, the, they take that weirdly seriously. Uh, your shortstop, Jin Saleo, of course. Uh, third base, Mallory Black. Left field, Auburn Dupree. Uh, question mark at center field uh, without Kennedy Cowden. Uh, question mark in right field, too, mostly because I didn't remember <laughs> who played right field last season. I mean, Emma Kauf could play out there if yeah, needed, she played but she's played, some in, she's played some outfield. But She'll I play mean, some outfield. That's uh, an example of getting the bats in the lineup, which is something that we'll probably be talking about baseball next week, too. So. Absolutely. Uh, and then Caroline Davis was the designated player last year. Um, but I would assume that th- that probably goes in the same way that you're talking about, getting bats in the lineup. So you'll probably see Hunter. Yep. You'll probably see Pritchett. You'll see a rotating cast of characters. You'll see a rotating cast of characters in that spot just to get them in the lineup and get some time. Yep. Um, yep. Because some of the people that have been in that spot before are just going to move up to actual stable lineup spots. Let's talk about the Buzz Classic. That is their first matchup, their first tournament of the weekend. Or of the season, first game. excuse me. First games. First games of the weekend, first games of the season. North Texas, UConn, St. Francis of Pennsylvania, and Illinois, Chicago. Mr. Grant, tell me about UIC, who we've seen in, ba- in baseball before, and UConn. Yeah, um, so UIC is actually a pretty familiar ACC opponent. Uh, a lot of folks on their way up to South Bend will hit them up for a, a midweeker or something like that. Uh, but uh, in terms of the four teams, they are listed in order of their rank in the Universal Selection Index, a metric that we here at Science of the Southland made up uh, in order to better determine the Science of the Southland, field. where the numbers are made up and the points don't matter. But uh, I think it still is indicative in the last uh, in the last update before the tournament last year. It got every team at large correct except for one and you want to guess which one that was Rutgers no <laughs> Wisconsin North Texas <laughs> shut up the one I have highlighted <laughs> in red on the sheet. nope in red <laughs> I don't read I don't read things in red yeah well good for you uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, North Texas did just miss the tournament field uh, they were uh, ranked 45 in the country by our metrics so that probably puts them just out uh, with all the postseason 
uh, adjustments in. UConn won the Big East last year. They were about 67th in the country. They received the auto bid. St. Francis, also a tournament team. Uh, they won the NEC. They were about 153rd. And UIC rounded out the bunch uh, with a 263 rank. Uh, both of the all, all of those came on probably roughly equivalent schedules. You know, none of them are big major uh, major conferences for softball. Softball is very much uh, centered around your Big Ten, your SEC, your Pac-12. Your heavily stratified entire Big national. 12. Yeah. It's, it's very much the Power Five sport. But, yeah, um, but yeah no, in, in terms of expectations, uh, Tech will get North Texas twice, and I believe UConn twice as well, which means that they gave themselves the hardest possible schedule out of this combination of four mm -hmm. teams. They'll catch the other two cool with it. just once. Uh, I'm totally fine with it. I think North Texas has got to be your measuring stick, probably pretty obviously, but... Um, it'd, it'd be really nice to go six and zero this weekend. I think that would be, be a, huge. That'd be huge. That would probably get them ranked. Start. Maybe question mark. Yeah, I, I, I think it wouldn't be nothing. It would not be nothing. Dropping UIC probably bad. Dropping St. Francis probably pretty bad. Recoverable with the other ones, but you know, take care of business. You're playing at home. You're playing some good teams, but also some not so great teams. But all of them have clearly been there before, or at least in the mix, other than. UIC and, and you know, UIC is a program that has not historically been as bad as they were last year. So. I'll note there is weather in the forecast on Friday, so this might be a uh, – and it's going to get cold on Saturday. Oh so joy. it's going to be some uh, – it's going to be delightful the next three days in Atlanta, but not during softball, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, last week or last season also opened on a very weirdly cold weekend. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think they were, they were wearing, like, sweatpants and – like uh, leggings and everything. I played yeah, baseball on in like forty-five degree weather. You just, you just, you, mobility just goes away pretty much oh, yeah. at that point. I mean, the ball, the ball hits the bat, and you can feel it in your elbows. And yeah, you, you basically, you, sh you, you should just wear two layers of gloves just to make, sh just for when the ball stings your hands because of how you hit. Jack, I did bat. grow up in Chicago, so this is. Did you play baseball in Chicago? Oh yeah. Oh, okay, cool. For twelve years. Oh okay. Yeah, you beat You're me from on Chicago. That. And no, it's just a lie. No, I am from Chicago. Have you heard of the Bean? Uh, oh gosh. <laughs> Let's Anyways. talk about expectations. Let's move over to the expectations. We we kind of hinted at it before, but I think the bottom line is that they make the tournament this yep. year again. Yeah. You, yep. you you have you a have provable to. model. You have to replace two pieces. You have to replace a, you know your power hitter and your professional hitter. Yeah. But it's doable. Mm -hmm. So, so do get it, it done. again. Get it. I mean, yeah. It's and it's get it done. Don't lose to a three or four seed. If you're going to lose in the regional, lose to the one seed. Lose in the regional final to the one seed. Yeah, and I feel like that's a low bar, but I think it's also a realistic bar, right? Only 16 teams make it to a super sectional yeah. or super regional. So, If you lose to Florida in the in a Gainesville regional, but in the regional final this time, I don't care. That's different. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, the only way they could get any better is they'd either have to upset as a two seed or host. And I feel like yeah. both of those are pretty challenging things to do. Would, right, yeah. when we were looking at this last year, I mean, Florida was the 16, I think, I'll right? I'll so pull it up that would have been metric. Florida was the 16, so that means Tech was the high with the best ranked two seed. If I remember how that works correctly, yeah, I think my model underrated Tech a little bit there. Tech was at 23 in the adjusted RPI, and I had them at 27. Um, Florida, however, was at 13 with an adjusted RPI of 11. Those being your, those being your metrics. Um, so yeah, I mean, I mean, I wouldn't say it's best two and, and worst one at least in the numbers but some of that's geographic and mm -hmm. things like that so so same question that i've asked for the other teams um and right before we we wrap this section this segment up what is one thing that they need to do to make it back to the tournament 
be consistent on the mound. Yep, uh, that's, that's I, pretty much it. I think this team has shown that they can develop good hitters. I mean, we've seen a lot of people grow in their time in the program. Uh, you've seen a couple people transfer out, and because of that success, and, you know, that's that's a decision they have to make themselves. But it shows that they can develop that. But in terms of pitching, we've really only seen consistency from Nelliman and Dennis. And, you know, it, it'd be a confidence boost going forward if we can say, hey, you know, one of these folks who's on the roster last year, be it Boyles or whoever, or a new new person um, stepping up and being a credible third, fourth, third, fourth option. And, you know, Dennis and Nelliman are only around so long. So either yep. get, get recruiting or get developing. So. Literally, they graduate this year. Yeah. Well, there you go. Both of them. Yeah. So figure it out. Nelliman might get a COVID year. They both got COVID years, though. Yeah. Eligibility rules. We'll see how this happens. We'll see yeah, how I mean, it goes. We'll yeah. That's the next year. Uh, so did Brambia, and we all know how that worked yep, out. So. Yep, yep, yep. Eligibility rules are dumb. You know what's not dumb? Jack's interview with Coach Eileen Morales, which he will play right now. This is probably two or three weeks before we're launching this episode, but with us today is the head coach of Georgia Tech softball, Eileen Morales. Uh, thanks for coming on on this lovely day where we hope a, a particular team in purple wins tonight. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me, Jack. Yeah, first day of classes, big game, I guess. So we're rooting for a purple team and, uh, you know, just uh, excited to be back, um, and, you know, campus kind of back and busy again, which is, yeah. is nice to see everybody back and out and about. I was walking my brother's dog on campus earlier today, and it was it felt good just to see everyone back around the sidewalks, overly clogged, no wiggle room or uh, anything like that. So absolutely, the um, the sun's out, so it's I guess it's like fifty. I don't know what it was last time, but it felt good. It's like good. It feels yeah, it's fifty one right now. Yeah, it's a good it's yeah. it's a good it's a good January Atlanta day. Um, <laughs> I want to start about talking about last year because it was as one of the best years in recent memory for the program. Most wins since twenty twelve. Um, really good home record um, between mm -hmm. Trisha Awald nearly cracking the top five and a bunch of different statistical categories. Emma Kalf being the great leader she is and Nelliman killing it in the circle. Is there any particular moment or just memory you have from last year that kind of defines the 2022 season for you? Yeah, I think that there's probably two, like I kind of think there's two points or turning points, not turning points, two big points in the season where I think kind of elevated and, and helped our trajectory to where we ended up with, with being a regional 38 wins, you know, all those things. Uh, one was, uh, you know, the win in Athens on the road, uh, five innings, a midweek, and why that was, you know, obviously so special beyond, you know, winning in Athens mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, clean old fashioned hate was, you know, we had gone through this stretch in conference play where we were like 0 and 6 or 0 and, or I, I think, I don't, the timeline doesn't match up, but basically we went through Florida State, yeah. or the timeline's not you know, clicking in my brain right now, but we had Florida stay. We uh, had a couple opportunities to win that game. Some of those games in that series. And then Duke, like both of those series were, you know, where we kind of got our, you know, took our, took our lumps and took, took a couple, you know, bruises and all that. Right. And so we came off of that and then we go to Athens and I was like, you know, what are we made of? Right. And and we go in there and, and, and we, you know, just hit the crap out of all played great defense pitched well. And so I think that was a huge momentum swing one, uh, after kind of taking some of those lumps and it was like, look, like these lumps we took in these first games and conference play prepared you to be more ready for this moment on the road. And so that was one. And and then the other one, which was, which was cool because it's a win and it's a win in Athens and we haven't won in Athens in forever. Mm -hmm. And so I think that just really changes the mindset of the players when they see that too. It's like, oh, hell yeah, we can do this. Right. And then the second part of that is uh, actually in, 
you know, it's a series that we didn't end up winning was, was the trip up to Notre Dame where, you know, we, we actually ended up losing that series, but you know, one pitch, one swing, and yeah. we could have walked out of there winning that. And and I think that it was just a heavyweight matchup each pitch, each inning. I mean, the scores were crazy high and everybody was just punching back and forth, but that was just a big kind of also moment of like, look, man, you can be right in it. And sometimes you don't get what you want. Yeah. And what do you want the rest of the season to be? And I think that really elevated like the trajectory of the rest of the season um, from a pitching standpoint as well. And I think our pitchers pitched uh, incredibly well down the stretch after not that they weren't before, but that was, that was a tough, tough weekend for them. And, yeah. you know, the offense and the defense was battling and, and and we were all just trying to like, just slug it out. Right. And I think that our, our pitching um, uh, matured and grew through that as well. And, and, and so those two points were, I think, really big um, moments that propelled us down the stretch and kind of showed us a lot about gut check and, and what we're made of and, and how can we respond to that. So, yeah. uh, and then, and then obviously like, if you're going to say any type of highlight, it's like, yeah, I'd like being on, being at the regional in Gainesville and, yeah. and, and that's, yeah. you know, winning that first game and, and, uh, and, and being able to represent tech. But yeah, I think those two moments were huge just from a standpoint of winning, of understanding how to win understanding how to win on the road, understanding what it takes on the road and, and, and learning from some failure uh, down the stretch. Would you put a connecting point between that Notre Dame series and the first Wisconsin game with how close both of those instances were? Because I mean, <laughs> yeah, that, I think that, 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 yeah. y'all, I'm pretty sure y'all were underdogs because they were ranked at that for that for that first yeah. Wisconsin game. So that's mm-hmm. you've been in that pressure cooker away from home, yeah. at least warm yeah. weather, not in freezing cold yeah, South yeah. Bend, but still yeah. kind of that that sent that kind of a game. Yeah, I think that you know experience like there's no there's no substitute for experience so when you've gone through that already in the season and you've been in those close games we were in a bunch of close games all year with 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 decent competition good competition on the road things like that but it's like when you've been there you're not stressed out about it because you're like oh like just just keep like keep grinding out the at-bats keep making the plays on defense like it's gonna work out and so I, I I absolutely think um you know in that Wisconsin game it was like because they could have been like, you know, high as I, like we're here mm-hmm. and, you know, there's, yeah. and, and, and we held our own and um, we just, we continue to be who we are all year. And so that was, that was cool to see. Absolutely. Yeah. Transitioning to this year, um, lose some big names, freshmen are coming in. Are there any of the, any of the freshmen that are exciting you a lot that you maybe expect to get some, some good innings in this year? Um, yeah. Um, Paige Vukadonovich, she's an outfielder, um, lefty bat. Uh, she's from Iowa Premier Organization, so a pretty strong travel organization uh, from Munster, Indiana, but plays out of that mm-hmm. that uh, program. She had a really great fall, um, really uh, in our comp in our uh, fall games and stuff. Uh, just competitive at bats, really great job. Just um, continuing to find ways to get on and, and come up in clutch moments. So uh, you know, I don't want to hype her up too much. So I don't want to put too much pressure on her as a freshman, but I. I uh, I was I was really impressed with how she just um, never looked like the moment was too big for her, and I think that that's exciting to see as a freshman. She's an outfielder, and she'll give us some depth. As you know, we graduated out some outfielders, so mm-hmm. just kind of fitting all those pieces together. Um, so excited, really excited about her, um, and also just really excited about um, Reese Hunter, who is a uh, catcher at a Mojo organization. She's actually I think Roswell High School. Um, really great quality. Um, catcher receiver behind the play great arm she can hit the crap out of the ball too and so that's going to give us some more depth behind mm-hmm. the plate um with with emma as well with emma getting older into her career you know trying to 
trying to save her uh, legs as much as we can <laughs> too, and provide, you know, more, more opportunities um, to work with the lineup. Cause you know, Emma's just such a phenomenal athlete that you can, you, you got to put her somewhere on the field if she ain't behind the plate. So yeah. uh, just that I'm excited about her, you know, Jaden Gailey is a great bat as well for us. Um, she's out of, uh, I think Franklin high school, again, Mojo organization. So we've got some really good lefty bats. So um, coming in and um, excited about her as well. Um, just kind of filling in pieces, mm-hmm. but I think those would probably be the the top three. And then we got uh, Hayden Baker, a transfer out of Texas A and M. Um, she's also from the Mojo organization, but she's a, a lefty hitter, um, good speed, can play infield or outfield. So just another versatile athlete that I think will. She had over 100, 130 at bats her freshman year at A and M. So mm-hmm. uh, excited uh, to have her as well. When you're building out a roster from I mean not from scratch because you got you always have your your your, your carry ons from the previous year but is yeah. when you're when you're plugging in holes do you feel do you see it as plugging in holes or do you take what you just see what you got any given year and see what might work best in tandem with the team you already have um is, does the approach change year to year for how you fill out the roster well I think one you know like what we want we want players like to have to fit our offensive philosophy which you know is we we don't ever really have just straight up power hitters. Like we want people who can hit for extra bases, mm-hmm. whether that's doubles and, you know, can spray it out of there every now and then, but, you know, uh, and then we want versatile athletes that we can put in, you know, that we can put in motion. So part of our, you know, offensive approach also is stealing bases, those types of things, uh, you know, so for us, it's looking at athletes that fit that mold that are good quality defensive players as well that kind of fit into that mold. And then how does that fit with what the lineup or the returners are? But I mean, if they're versatile, that gives us plenty of opportunities, plenty of options. Or it's like, you know, Grace Conley was a freshman who played a ton of innings for us last year, right, at second. But then she was also playing right field. Right. You know, uh, did I ever see her play right field before she got to Georgia Tech? No. But, you know, was that a way to get another bat in the lineup? Yes. So mm-hmm. for us, it's about what are you doing? Are you fitting what we need offensively? And how, if you're athletic and versatile enough, can we put all those pieces together? Uh, so, yeah, to answer your question, I mean, there's certain positions. Pitchers, you always got to replace pitchers. Yep. You know, you're yep. like, I need that. Catchers, you know, your middles. But, you know, when you talk about building a full roster, do, do they athletically fit what what we want for for our offense and in and, and our philosophy? That's cool. Also, I, I was a lefty growing up playing baseball, so I'm always always a little akin to that. We got a lot of lefties. I mean, we were looking at and I'm like, Lord, I'm like, I need to recruit a couple more righty hitters because <laughs> I love a lefty hitter, righty thrower. But I was like, OK, we don't have any righty bats in this lineup. Yeah, right? Like, we were like projecting out. I was like, oh, gosh, we could have like eight lefties and we might like we might need a righty. We might need a couple of righties depending on what the matchup is. Right. Might be worth bringing the fences in a couple feet this year. I don't. I don't know. They're they're already close enough. The pitchers might kill me. Um, and it, talking about the ACC as a whole, um, I mean, uh, I think generally in women's sports, like all, every just the whole the 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 uh, not the value, but the just the talent level across everything is getting better. I mean, this year's volleyball was incredible for Tech, and then as a whole, Absolutely. it was an extremely watchable sport. Um, softball is getting more and more viewers every year. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, having a big a big gun like Oklahoma out there to kind of draw attention is good, but the, the, everything is just trending upwards. Um, in the ACC in particular, is there anything that you've noticed that is a big key to being successful in the conference? And if so, is there something that is that something that y'all are you think you're good at, or is that something y'all got to keep working on? Well, I think I mean it's with any in softball. It starts with the circle. You know, I mean, if you have good arms. 
it, it, it's going to keep you in every game. And I think that that was the, the number one goal last year was, was we, we had to have our pitching staff improve and, and we definitely did. And that's where you see that success. Uh, some of that success come from is just being in every game because what we had in the circle, the, the arms we had in the circle, Blake Chandler, whoever else we pieced together, like they kept you in everything and you didn't have to worry about like, is there going to be some big inning where we're down? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and it wasn't about having to out hit people. So I think that, Anytime you have quality pitching, which is what most of our conference is, I mean, there's not any easy arms on any team, really. I mean, you're going to get a great arm on any any opponent, and some of them two and three great arms mm-hmm. on their staff. And so, one, it always it starts and ends in the circle, um, in my opinion. And then um, I think that the model that's really well is, you know, having good offensive production on base hitters um, and people who can, you know, hit for power somewhere in the middle of your lineup, which is, mm-hmm. you know, basic uh you know probably softball or baseball one-on-one but the programs that are the most successful have probably one or two you know horses in the circle and then they got you know a couple of people who are putting you know 15 plus home runs up a game right or a season so i think for us the more we can develop some more power but again part of what our strategy is is a little bit of small ball a little bit of power like balance Mm -hmm. so uh you know we can you know continue to keep those doubles numbers up that puts us in a great position to um to to be real successful against anybody in our conference. Yeah, we'll get, let's shift to pitching then, because I mean Chandler and Blake do a lot mm-hmm. of the work here. Um, yeah, Sophia Voyles filled in a good role last year yep, as well. Yep. Is that is she in a sense your number three going into this year? Yeah, I think so. She um she's looked great. She's come a long way. Um, you know, in in a full year and a half ish, right? As she's going into this um this uh, second season, and um she's grown and matured a lot, got stronger, and so just excited. We'll, we'll definitely use her. Um, she'll have more opportunities, more innings. Uh, and I think, you know, she got that experience at the regional and maybe wasn't exactly the experience she wanted. Maybe, you know, they didn't have like when we ended, it wasn't mm-hmm. probably the most favorable way to be out there on the mound, but you know, you grow from that and you learn from that and that, that propels you to, 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 um, into your next season. And so I I've been really excited about her and how she's looked in fall games. Chandler through amazing in our fall games, like the great, and uh, so I, I'm excited about that. And then, you know, Kenzie Norton didn't throw as much for us last year, nor did Emma Mangini, but they'll they'll get some innings for us mm-hmm. as well because they're just different looks and different matchups. So probably, probably, I don't know. I probably say this every year, but I, 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 I feel like this year I'm the most excited about this pitching staff, just the way that everything, um, the way that the, the combos work and how we can yeah. mix and match and things like that. So, yeah. Do you have a starting nine that you that you think you're that you're really comfortable with right now, or is that still something through Buzz Classic you're gonna have to work through? Yeah, Jack, you'll probably have to ask me. You know, give me a couple more weeks. I'll have a better, a little bit of a better layout. Um, it is early. You know, there there's um, you know, we haven't had one team scrimmage yet. We've been out there a couple of days, but um, mm-hmm. I think the big thing is, you know, obviously you've got a, a good bit of experience returning. So there's, you know, there's some positions that are, you know, I'm not gonna say they're 100% set, but they're pretty much, you know locked in and, yeah. and so then it's like okay what but how do we put the best offensive lineup together with a very strong defensive lineup and so there's you know again like we said some people might be working reps in outfield and then sometimes are you know in the infield so I think that's the biggest piece of it is because we're versatile athletically we have a lot of versatile athletes it's piecing yeah. that together in what combination uh you know you know, first base is, is still going to be something that it'll work through probably buzz classic. Uh, and, and probably the first couple of weeks until somebody really solidifies that just because Trish played that for four years. Right. And mm-hmm. so 
you know, we've got to provide opportunities and we've got to try different combinations. And, you know, even January in our team segments, like a lot of that stuff's going to, you know, start, you know, becoming, I think, clearer. And, uh, you know, I think that, again, part of that's going to depend on matchups as well. Who are we facing? Who's the best hitter for that? You know, all those yeah. all those things come into play. But, you know, left side of the field will be pretty consistent. You know, Emma will be catching, you know, all, all those, you know, usual suspects yeah. back out there. You know, Jen at short. I mean, she's a, a walking highlight reel. So, you know, yes. just yes. Uh, just continuing to – and that's what's cool, you know, the experience this year is like, we've got juniors and seniors, we've got people who, you know, played together two, three years. And now it's like, you know, let's get after it. You've got that experience. You know what it takes to get to a regional. Uh, let's build, let's build and, and, and see how much farther we can take that. I asked Michelle, I call you the same question in the locker room. Is there, do you, I mean, obviously the older folks are going to be closer to your captains in a sense, or yeah, just yeah. the experienced folks. Is, do you, is there a couple people that just, even if there isn't like a, specific label applied to them to be like okay these are your team leaders that the younger folks are naturally gravitating to just for like is how to get yeah. through tech or just how to just ma- yeah. go through a season like this yeah i think like you know emma calf is you know i mean emma is like not only on the softball field but just in life like yeah. she's like a model citizen it's like insane all the amazing things she does you know it's it's impressive uh and you know doing great in class and you know being great on the ball field so you know emma's definitely a leader uh, for us, I don't necessarily, we haven't listed captains, but Emma and then um, Chandler Dennis as well has been great. And I think that there's different people who lead in different ways. Um, and and that's what I think is cool is, you know, I take care of each other um, and, and try to help each other. Because I think different personalities, you know, mesh with different people. So you can't just have only a few people. Uh, Grace Conley uh, also has done a great job. And I know you guys follow uh, the hockey team. Her brother is pretty dang good hockey player. Yeah. 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 So Matt, but yeah, Grace has been uh, great as an underclassman kind of leader and, and, and Jen as well. So um, those are probably the four, you know, main, not main, but the four that uh, uh, continue to kind of um, propel those things and, and, and manage the locker room and, and, and kind of keep the team in, in on the right path. Right. Yeah. That's cool. Um, I want to shift to um, Allison Fabry because she's a recent player mm-hmm. now volunteer coaching with y'all. Has yeah. she, in, in the limited time she's had here, what, what kind of impact has she made as someone who's yeah. been on the field and had to feel a lot of these same situations that all your girls have had to face? Yeah, I mean, Allison's been a great uh, addition to our staff. Um, you know, great offensive uh, mind. She's, you know, working with Reese and the hitters um, pretty consistently in all those hitting segments. And then she mixes in with me um, working with the defense. Uh, but just has been really cool, uh, really great addition to the staff, um, knowing, one, her playing experience, her being an All-American, her playing for Canada. I mean, she's still in it competing, right? And mm-hmm. so uh, her, you know, starting on her coaching journey but still playing, uh, it's, 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 it's been great. And I think she's been a wealth of knowledge for our girls and, and has brought a ton of value to our staff just from looking at hitters or, pit, like, assessing hitters, giving, you know, different ways to – uh, implement uh, drill segments and things like that. Her and Reese uh, work very well together, and so that's that's exciting. And yeah, she's uh, you know, not from far away. You know, Peachtree City, and yeah. uh, is where she's from. I think Stars Mill was where she played high school ball. Uh, so uh, it's 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 kind of crazy, uh, you know, how all those things uh, fall into place. But she's been she's been phenomenal, and uh, she'll uh, coach first base for us in season. So just it just really excited that she's joined us and humbled that she's joined our staff. Nice. Um, 
for you beyond just the basic box score are there any extensive analytics that you like using to help help you make decisions at all i mean like there's plenty of base, baseball softball <laughs> yeah. the of the easiest yeah. sports to just get a get almost too much data on just because of yeah, how segmented yeah. it is. Is that something yeah. that you, that you do, or is it mostly eye test and box score? Uh, you know, for me, like when I'm scouting, there's certain things uh, we're looking, but uh, you know, when we're making in-game decisions, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, um, you know, Reese, Reese is a data junkie. So she does a phenomenal job of like matchups and knowing like one, like from a pinch hitting standpoint or different things like that, mm-hmm. you know, who we think the best matchups are based on what the opposing pitchers throw and you know everybody i'm sure does that in different variations but i I think she's it's one of her strong suits is just really understanding our hitters strengths and weaknesses and and putting them in the best position to be successful um advanced metrics like i you know i use weighted on base average just when i'm evaluating you know uh, lineups and what we're Mm -hmm. trying to also look at you know splits um so you know what's the the pitchers Uh, I, i i don't use crazy Crazy sabermetric stats because I'm not smart enough, but like I'll no use VORP uh, or a, or a zone, yeah. zone rating. I just don't think, <laughs> no, I just, there's not truthfully like in softball too. I don't know how accurate that data yeah. is versus, you know, baseball, you have so much more, you know, data stuff to pull from and got majors and all that, but mm-hmm. major league and all that, but um, and the minors and all that. So they track stuff a lot better than we do in our sport, unfortunately. But, um, you know, a lot of it sometimes is just lefty righty splits based on runs yeah. allowed. And like, what is the opposing pitcher? How did, well does she do against these? And that's how we build lineups and, you know, things like that. So, you know, we use a lot of different companies uh, that do some of that stuff. Six, four, three charts on um, sequencer. Um, we use synergy, all different things. But, you know, for me, there's a, there's definitely a component of like, I want to know these things. I want to know this data, but then in game, it's like, you don't want yeah. it to overwhelm you. So we use it to a, to a certain extent and it's like, all right, like, what is the feel? You gotta, you gotta balance it. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. I mean, there's, what about every, you? You got a favorite, you got a favorite, a favorite saber metric. Oh man. I mean, I'm a, I do enjoy war for how simple it is and uh-huh. how yeah. it just gets you all, all that in one shot. I, I remember yeah. the 2020 world series when Kevin cash pulled, I forgot what pitcher at the very end because the, the, the saber metrics just said this is the time to pull him, And he was on a one hitter <laughs> against the Dodgers and they lost the world yep. series. So, yeah. Like, so that's, that's, that's all like, that's, the balance, that's, right? I get your point there of like, yeah, there's at some point you've got to weigh just the moment and the, the gut, part, right. The, the, the part you can't measure. Yeah. Yeah. And that is, it's like, you know, that data does give you this, this, it's telling you over this, like over this course of time, more times than not, this this is the right move. But that doesn't mean that right here in this moment that that has to be yeah. the right move, right? Yeah. And so I think that's the challenge as coaches is like how to balance that. And, um, you know, defensive efficiency rating is something I kind of track too, but I don't know mm-hmm. how much they um, – I mean, it, it just helps with um, with where we are and, um, you know, actually presented at our coaches' convention uh, earlier at the end of the year and mm-hmm. was talking about that. And we were actually ranked like 10th in the country in deficiency, defensive efficiency rating, which nobody would know because everybody uses fielding percentage. And yeah. I think fielding percentage is trash. It's like the worst metric ever yeah. because it depends on who's scoring it. So um, it, it, it was just cool to like kind of dive into some of those numbers and stuff and, and just see where the best of the best are, which like Oklahoma was like insane where their numbers were, yeah. like, um, which, yeah, you know, they're like in a league of their own right now. It feels like so. Oh, yep, yeah, happens. I mean, the, <laughs> they, they, I'll, I'll also ask about NIL because I'm sure Oklahoma's got that rolling up their sleeves <laughs> at this point. Um, has 
how have you approached that so far? I mean, it's young. The tech way just yeah. began as the collective. Yeah. Um, so still very early on in it. Yeah. And you're one of the teams that's got much more American players compared to like volleyball mm-hmm. and swimming where they're yeah. all over the world. But um, yeah, just how, how, how have you approached this so far? Well, I haven't really done much with it because I really can't <laughs> from, what I, from, from what I've been told. But, you know, I think that that's one of those things where it's like I want them, if there's an opportunity for them to, you know, uh, take advantage of, you know, the time that you're here because we don't have a pro league really. There's, a, you mm-hmm. know, there's Athletes Unlimited, but there's that's a small window. Yeah. Uh, like the, I, I think why why would our athletes not, why would our female student athletes not take advantage of opportunity to, you know, make some some extra cash or be learn honestly entrepreneurship so yep. um i know there's some players who who do have some deals the extent of that i don't know enough about i don't really ask them i kind of stay out of it mm-hmm. uh but you know i think moving forward as this our collective and as we you know have a, a clearer system now with you know new admin and jbat um maybe there'll be some more opportunities to to be more involved in a way that i'm allowed to you know i'm not breaking any rules yeah uh but but i i think it's an exciting time for for college athletes and specifically female student athletes, because, you know, this is a small window for them. And, you know, if, if they can, you know, help, you know, reduce expenses, cause you know, we're not a headcount sport. Not everybody's on full rides. Mm-hmm. Like if they can help reduce those expenses and, you know, God, why, why would we not? So I, right. I, I'm excited about what the future holds with, with what we're doing here at, at um, with the new collectives and the tech way. So yeah, look, looking forward to, to, to how we can, you know, expand on that. I'll be in the lookout for t-shirts with, with the names on the back or something like that. Yeah, we got yeah, we got to get out, in on that. I mean, there's plenty of female entrepreneurs and companies around, you know, Atlanta that, you know, you can, I think we, we can tap into. It's, you mm-hmm. know, just a matter of getting the ball rolling on that yeah. and, and, and really uh, you're executing that plan. Yeah. You mentioned Jay Bat. Have you gotten a chance to talk to him in his first couple months on campus? Any, yeah, I yeah, say first definitely. impressions, but what, do you all have a good working relationship at this point early on? You know, I've, I've had an opportunity to speak with him. You know, I know that he's been, from the time he was hired, you know, he had a lot of... Uh, he had a he little big decision some, to make up front. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was tasked with some big decisions. And I think, you know, as we're rolling into season and as he's probably got a little bit better cadence for him, you know, he's got that stuff checked out. You know, we'll have more opportunities to connect. But, you know... All that stuff was going on, and there was a holidays, so you know we connected a couple times. But excited about about his leadership, and excited about you know what he's trying to do for the program or for all of our programs. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think that um, for us, you know, right now I'm in I'm in softball mode, and if it's not softball mode, I'm I'm on a whole nother you know yeah. it, it's it's tunnel vision a little bit. But yeah, I'm you know I think um, great things are ahead and the future's bright. So just just excited to see you know and, and Coach Brent Key, you know, getting getting to take the the range, you know, I always, always love an alumni as a head coach. So, you know, I'm biased obviously. So, um, you know, just looking forward to, to, to seeing what he'll do when he can, you know, build his program, how he wants to. And, um, so yeah, I, I just excited about what's next. Nice. Last question. Uh, just what, what's, what's the goal this year where, what, what is it? A, is it a round in the NCAA tournament? Is it effort-based? Like what's, if, if there's one well, box you got to check, what is it? Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, I also, for us, you know, we're, we're competing for a conference championship. And I think if we, we do some things correctly, we've scheduled tough, we've scheduled challenging in preseason to help prepare us for that. And, you know, I think we, we have a quality roster and that if some, we play well and if we build things the right way, like we've got a chance to compete for that um, one. So I, I want to make it farther, farther in the conference tournament. I want to make it into that conference championship because I think that that's a, a realistic expectation if we take care of business. And yeah, I mean, regional for sure, but you know, we want to, we want to try to win that thing. You know, we, mm-hmm. we want to be in a position where each year we're, we're climbing farther. And, you know, I think that 
we pull from our other sports. You saw Nell do it. You saw, you know, Michelle do it. Like the, these are, these are their peers. These are people they're in class with and they, they see yep. those programs doing that. And so there's no reason why we can't take that next step. And so, you know, would I say if we don't do go win a regional that it wouldn't be a good year? Oh, but you know, you know, those are those high level goals that you're yeah. working towards. Yeah. Awesome. Tech softball gets going Friday, February 10 with a doubleheader against UConn, at least according to ramblingrec.com. I assume that's correct. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, as part of the Buzz Classic with North Texas, St. Francis, UIC, and another North Texas game. All righty. There'll be a lot of different colors on the field that weekend. That'll be fun. <laughs> so, anyways, Eileen yep. uh, Morales, thanks a ton for coming on. It was a good time talking. Appreciate you. Thank you, Jack. Welcome back. Great interview. Jack, but now we turn the page. I love how we all listened to this a month ago, and now we're just saying it's good. Yeah, just assuming it's good. I'm sure it's great. I think we did all right. I read the transcript. I think <laughs> I listened to it. Uh, let's switch over to the pool. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll we're going to talk rock about it the right pool. Past that. We're going to drop right past that. It was a, you said it was a very uneventful week yeah, in Auburn. It's kind of a last chance meet for folks looking for cuts, consideration for the ACC lineup, and all that. Uh, I don't believe any. NCAA consideration cuts were made. No records. Uh, I don't even know if scores were posted because I didn't see them when I checked. But, uh, yeah, no, no first or second place finishes. I, I'm telling you, I really looked up and down and left and right to be you like. You got to taper when you can, so yeah. Yeah. may as well. Exactly. This is, this is the last chance meet for a couple folks. And, you know, it was interesting just in terms of, you know, in the past we, we've kind of done, like, our own last chance meet, and it's been, like, weirdly attended, so I'm kind of glad that they at least went over to Auburn, yeah. got Florida State, got Florida, got They got Auburn. uncomfortable. They, they yeah. traveled LSU. on the road. Yep. Emory? <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's flip over to track. They were in Columbia for the South Carolina invite. Yep. Uh, on the track headline this week by Charlie Smith. I believe this is the first time we've mentioned him on the podcast, so congrats there. Uh, he won the mile with a 406.39. There were a ton of teams here, a couple national team athletes from other countries, a couple pros. Track meets are weird. Um, but, uh, yeah, so Charlie coming out at the head of the field is pretty good to see. Um, also had Shanti Papacosta, Jameer Gibson, and Omar Aran out uh, winning – or, sorry, getting second in their events. Uh, those were all on the field, interestingly. Uh, high jump, shot put, and high jump, respectively. A couple third-place finishes for Taylor Grimes, Katie Hamfelt. And Leif Anderson. Uh, Leif Anderson also in the mile, uh, shouting that out. So Smith and Anderson went 1-3 against, like I said, pretty crowded field. So good good to see. Interesting results there. Let's round out with club sports. Georgia Tech Hockey drops a 2-1 decision in an outdoor Athens game in what can only be described as a barn with an ice rink in it. <laughs> yes. I watched the live stream for a little bit, and it, it did look like that. So. Barn and an ice rink, uh, barn with an ice rink in it. Anyway. A metal barn, so yeah. it was. It looked like a good oh, barn. It was a barn. It was a, a sturdy it was a, barn. It was. It was. A, it looked like a barn that wouldn't fall over. I don't know. Is that is that even good, worth mentioning? I don't trust their engineering. Moving on <laughs> to the number two Georgia Tech men's Were there lacrosse program. In the middle of it. Sorry, I had to get that one in. <laughs> Georgia Tech men's lacrosse program, 13-10 win at Auburn, which was a comeback, a halftime comeback down oh, from wow. uh, well, not six three at half, but they were down six three at in one point. In the first point. half. They were in the first half. Uh, and then a 23-4 to four absolute demolition of Vanderbilt. I think it was 23-4. to four. I didn't really bother to double-check the It was the a score lot to a little. It was like Bedlam. Uh, Georgia Tech is going to win by a little, or Georgia Tech is going to win by a lot. It was Anything can four. happen. All right, there we um, go. Yeah, it, it got out of hand early, and, you know, I, I, I wish I could say more. I didn't 
think uh, it would be this much of a of a wampin. But you know, te Texas is the number two team in the country for a reason. I don't think that's uh, that's been publicized out there enough. But they could they could very well be in the mix to win it all at the end of the year. And the weird thing is, the number one team in the country is also in Colombia, so not that far away. And that was I think Texas only lost last year. Uh, did they lose to them in the tournament? I can't remember. Was that maybe that was Brigham Young? I don't. I don't know. Uh, you, you they know, lost close in the tournament to someone, but I think they lost to South Carolina in the regular season too. Something like that. Uh, and then Georgia Tech Swim Club to round us out uh, was at Knoxville, and apparently you don't have results for me. No, I. I just got asked by someone if I was going to mention them on the podcast this week, and I was like, "Do you have results?" And they're like, "No." So they oh, get a well. mention, but no idea how they did. No I, still wear, I still wear my national team cap when I swim all the time, so, you know. New rule, new rule, no results, no mention. Ah, good, good call. I'm a little biased. It's fine. Uh, I think that about wraps it up for us. Boys, I got a really quick fun fact for okay. you. Very quick. Be swift. Table of titles. Name the five most successful by number of titles programs in Georgia Tech history. This is only ACC, so don't. Think about SEC titles in 1940. I want you guys to trade off guesses, but I want I want the top five. ACC titles. Yeah. Softball. That's number three. They have five. It's tennis. Which one? Women's. Women's. That's number four. They have four. We went for three and four first. Wow. Okay. Okay. Uh, men's swim and dive. No, they have zero. <laughs> womp womp. I know volleyball has one, at least. Volleyball's got two. They, they got are two? Okay. outside of my outside list. Outside of five, though? Okay. Yeah. We're running out of sports. Uh, women's basketball. Women's basketball also has they, zero. They don't have any? I'm going to make you stop guessing if you guess another zero. So think about this one. Men's basketball we know has one. Men's basketball has four. There we go. They are tied for fourth, so that's your fifth place team. Okay, there we go. Okay, so now we There's just have to get left. one and two. Easy. They're, they're the, the two best teams in ACC play in Georgia Tech history. ACC You're going to have to name your least favorite sport. It's not them. There's no way. It's not football. Oh, yeah, it's not really? them. It's not. Oh, okay, whatever. Are you and we already named. Do you want a hint? Yes. <laughs> Bobby Jones. Oh, uh, golf. It. Golf is number one. Golf yep. has 18 ACC yeah, titles. I forgot. I forgot. I forgot. That makes sense. It, it's not more than everyone else combined, but it's close. It's a lot. It, it, I know why I didn't think about it because when I think about the sports, I just put the map of Tech in my head and guess yeah. who's not on Tech's campus. <laughs> That's yeah. fair. Golf. Well, technically, Noonan is on. Was next to where the old softball stadium was. Yeah, um, and it's where the student competition center is. Anyways. There's one left, Jack. Take one more guess. Take one more guess. Does this sport still exist on campus? It still exists. They're very they're they're Tech's most second most followed team on Twitter. Oh. God. Ba oh, baseball. Yeah. It's baseball. Oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah. We're so thick in the weeds of just the nitty gritty. Yeah. We're, we're we so lose, we lose have, the big picture. Nine sometimes. ACC titles. It's pretty darn good. They're we're good. too sicko. Yeah. Uh, unhealthy levels of sicko. I think that one's uh, that's one worth knowing for the people. I think. You know, putting especially, it in perspective. Especially Good. considering that baseball preview episode is next week. Next week, indeed. Yeah. Uh, we'll have some audio for you there as well, but I think that about wraps it up for us from Wild Heaven Brewing. Yeah. Mr. I'll, Grant. I'll take us out. Just to round out the other uh, tech teams with ACC titles, you've got football, that is three, volleyball with two, and women's indoor track and field with one. Um, anyways, 
rounding things out from Wild Heaven Brewing. Thanks to Wild Heaven for hosting us. Always appreciate that. Thanks as well to Section 103, our favorite apparel provider. And yes, I looked at Akshay for that. You can find them at Section 103 on Twitter, section103.com. They've got a great new shirt out. Go vote in their poll. We have opinions, and so should you. They have great merch, and that we can all agree on. You can find From the Rumble Seat at fromtherumbleseat.com. We put up articles with this here podcast that you can comment on and give us feedback. You can also read other articles. Great content. A lot of women's basketball and non-rev sports these days. It's me and Jack holding down the fort. Yep. We got to. You know, it's February. But, um... Yeah, you can also find us uh, from the rumble seat at gmail.com. Send us things. We love your feedback, and we really appreciate it. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at FTRS blog. Jack and I are at Jack Nicholas and at Jake Grant 98 You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at from the rumble seat, and you can find these podcasts wherever fine podcasts are sold. Rate, review, tell your friends. We really appreciate it, and good night from Wild Heaven one last time. Good luck, and go Jackets.